Galatians 1, verses 6 through 10. Paul writes, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Messiah for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of the Messiah. But even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of Yahweh? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of the Messiah. May Yahweh bless His word to our hearts today. Yesterday we covered Paul's greeting in his letter to the Messianic congregations in the region of Galatia. And central to that greeting was that Paul affirmed his apostleship. It was not by men, nor through the agency of men, but it was by Yeshua the Messiah and Yahweh the Father who raised him from the dead. At the same time, the Apostle Paul said in verse 2 that he had the backing of the brothers in the Messiah. He said, and all the brothers who are with me. He received that right hand of fellowship from men like Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manan, teachers and prophets in the congregation of Antioch and Syria. Why did the Apostle Paul, or why did Paul, stress his apostleship in verse 1? I believe that it was to combat the influencers who were stirring up trouble in the midst of the Galatian congregations. Influencers who were coming in and trying to teach a different gospel than the one that Paul had preached to them when he was on his first missionary journey. In places like Pisidian Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. Places you can read about in Acts chapters 13 and 14. Remember that Paul wrote this letter of Galatians specifically to Gentile fearers of the Almighty, not to the Yehudim or the Judites, not to the circumcised believers in the Messiah, but to the Gentile Yah-fearers who did not grow up in the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but came to fear the Almighty later on in their adult life. And then even later than that, they came to believe that Yeshua was the promised Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of Yahweh. And these Gentiles or these believers in the Messiah from the nations outside of the land of Israel, they were uncircumcised when they came to faith in Christ. Well, what is happening then is this. Some of the Judahite, the Yehudim brothers, ones that would profess faith in the Messiah, some of these brothers were going behind Paul and preaching that faith in the Messiah was not sufficient to be justified or to be considered part of the family of Yahweh. Paul preached, and then these brothers, when Paul left, went in and went behind him and stirred up the congregations wrongfully, influenced, and were beginning to lead some of these Galatians away from the doctrine of the gospel of the grace of the Messiah into believing that in order for them to really be part of the family, in order for them to be really justified, they needed to convert and become one of the Yehudim or the Judahites. And the way that the Judahites required for you to do that was through a ritual proselytization that involved circumcision primarily. And not just Abrahamic circumcision, that's part of it, but not just Abrahamic circumcision of Genesis 17, but you had to be circumcised in the manner that they prescribed 
with all their bells and whistles, with all their traditions attached. And Paul said this is a different gospel. This is not a good thing. This is a bad thing. This is adding to the gospel. The gospel was never believe in Yeshua plus be circumcised and then you're saved. The gospel was never believe in Yeshua plus become a Judahite through proselyte conversion and then be saved. No, the gospel was believe upon Yeshua's finished work and be saved. So Paul says in verse 6, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Messiah for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of the Messiah. Now, I've pointed out in many sermons that the word gospel means good message. Euangelion in the Greek. You've heard of the word eulogy. Somebody gives a eulogy at somebody's funeral or memorial service. That means a good word. E-U and then Lagos. A good word about that person at their memorial service. Well, Evangelion means a good message. The good news. It's the good news that we can have peace with Father Yahweh through what His Son has accomplished on our behalf. And I talked about that in yesterday's lesson. And it's basically what we went through in verses 3 through 5. That Yeshua fulfilled the Torah. He did the law. Every T crossed, every I dotted, never made a mistake. He observed it how it was meant to be observed. Therefore, He qualified as the unblemished lamb to be the substitute sacrifice for my sins and for your sins. And then the Father victoriously raised Him on the third day over death, hell, and the grave. And then later on seated Him at His right hand. This is the message of the good news. This is how we can have peace with Father Yahweh if we believe this message. We are delivered from this present evil age. Remember, yesterday, in verses 1 through 5. And we are delivered not because of anything we have done, but because of what Yeshua has done on our behalf. And the reason that this is such good news, listen, it won't be good news unto anybody until they realize how bad the bad news is. And the bad news is, is that Brother Matthew and you have messed up so badly. We have broken so many of Yahweh's commandments. And even on my best day, I do not measure up to the Messiah. As I lay my head down on my pillow at night, and I evaluate my life, and I think about what I've done and what I haven't done, and I always say, forgive me, Father for my sins and help me to forgive those who sin against me. I always pray that prayer and I always look to the Messiah. I do not measure up to the perfection of Yahweh's law. So that's the bad news that we are transgressors of Yahweh's law. But the good news is is that Yahweh sent us a way of escape. Yeshua is the door. Yeshua is the way to Father Yahweh. Because of what Yeshua has done for us, we can be at peace we can be at shalom with Father Yahweh. Well, in verse 6, Paul writes that these Galatians had been called by the grace of the Messiah, but they were being talked into a different gospel. And he said, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserted. It's kind of like what Yahweh or Moses said in Exodus 32 when the children of Israel made the molten calf. And it said they had so quickly gone out of the way. 
Paul says the same thing. I'm, I'm amazed that you're so quickly removed. I was here not long ago, and you're so quickly leaving the gospel of the grace of the Messiah into another gospel. A distorted gospel. One that says you're at peace with the Father through proselyte conversion. That's the way that you can be at peace with the Father. Be circumcised, become a Yehudim, and then you're at peace with the Father. But Paul says in verse 7 that this other gospel is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort or twist or pervert the good news about the Messiah. So the influencers in Galatia, the men that came behind the Apostle Paul after he left, they were attempting to preach another gospel, but it really wasn't another gospel. That's just kind of sarcasm on Paul's part. Because there's only one good news. There's only one good message. And the good message is not become a Judahite through proselyte conversion and be saved. That's not the good news. The good news is Yeshua died for your sins. Believe upon Him so that you can have peace with the Almighty. That's the good news. It was the good news then, and it will always be the good news. It will only be good news to those people who recognize that they need to hear some good news. Now let me throw something in here to make sure that you understand my approach, Brother Matthew's approach to this epistle. What we're learning is that Paul is not teaching the Galatians that it's okay to live a sinful lifestyle. We're going to see that later on in chapter 5. Paul is not teaching an anti-commandment message. That's not Paul's point. Paul is not teaching the Gentiles in Galatia that they don't need to be concerned with the Torah. That's not Paul's point. What Paul is saying is that the gospel, the good news, has nothing to do with anything about you the gospel is about Yeshua, the, the one that Yahweh sent. The gospel is not about Matthew. It has nothing to do with Matthew or you or anybody. It's about the man from Nazareth. Now, I've grown up in church my entire life, ever since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, as Granddaddy says. And I've been in many different churches as a child, a teenager, and even as an adult. And I've heard so many messages about what we are supposed to do or about what the devil is doing or about what the church program is doing, or about what the pastor says you ought to do. But I've heard very little about what Yeshua has already done. I didn't get many messages about the gospel. I got a lot of messages about how people thought you were supposed to get this thing called the Holy Ghost. But I didn't get many messages about the gospel. Well, a genuine congregation of the Almighty will place its focus upon the Messiah. Because without the Messiah we would not stand a chance. He is our deliverance. He is the good news. And any time that we try to add something to His work, as though His work is not enough, we're distorting or perverting the gospel. I'm not talking about preaching obedience. I'm not talking about preaching good works as a branch off of faith. I'm talking about preaching something in conjunction with what Yeshua has done as though that something is equal to the work of the Messiah and is a must for our salvation. When somebody preaches that or believes that, it is a distortion of the good news. It would be like me. Let me give you an example. It would be like me teaching a non-believer who walked in here, believe on the Messiah and put on this set of tassels and you'll be saved that would be a distortion of the gospel. 
Believe on the Messiah and stop eating pork and you'll be saved. That would be a distortion of the gospel. If I were to teach that and cause a newcomer to believe that message, he or she would be placing the emphasis of salvation not just upon the Messiah, but equally upon something that they were doing. That's a distortion of the gospel because it causes a person to trust partly in Yeshua, but then partly in their self. And in reality, it causes a person ultimately to think that they are saving their self rather than be saved by Yahweh the Father through Yeshua the sent one. And I don't want anybody to get that from any message that I ever teach. Paul is so disgusted with this distortion that he says in verses 8 through 9, let's read them. But even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed. Now, you do not get any worse than having a curse pronounced upon you. And that's what Paul pronounces upon anyone that comes preaching a different gospel than the grace of the Messiah. Verse 6. And notice the emphasis that Paul places on this curse. He says it twice in verses 8 through 9. Repetition means emphasis. And he also says, even if an angel from heaven shows up and preaches another gospel different than the one that I brought to you when I came on my missionary journey, let him be accursed. That's powerful. Don't even listen to an angel from heaven. Now somebody, hypothetically, or it could happen, could get visited in a dream by a being that they believe to be a good angel. I could go to sleep this evening and get visited in a dream by what I thought to be a good angel. Remember, Satan's ministers come as angels of light. They don't show up with a pointed tail, horns, a pitchfork, and a red leotard suit on. Amen? All right, everybody knows, no, that's the enemy if you dress like that. So the enemy comes dressed as an angel of light. Satan's ministers do. So this supposedly good angel could tell you a distortion of the gospel of grace in the Messiah. And you know what? It would be pretty persuasive to get a visitation from an angel. Very persuasive. But Paul says, don't even listen to an angel from heaven that brings a different gospel. If he brings a different gospel than the one that I preached, Paul says, let that angel be accursed. Why? Because he's obviously a bad angel. He's not a good one if he's bringing another gospel. Just remember the gospel, brothers and sisters. Remember the good news. We have to remember that the good news consists of what the Messiah did for us and not of what we do for Him. Certainly, there are things that we do for Him. He says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But that's not the gospel. That comes after the gospel. The gospel is about what He has done for us and it's finished, it's complete. He filled it up to the very top. We cannot add to it or take away from it. We should not add to it or take away from it. You know, there are things that we even do in response to the gospel. When we hear the gospel, things like repentance and faith and baptism. But even those acts that we perform are actually gifts of grace bestowed upon us. Do you know that the Bible teaches that faith is a gift? The Bible teaches that repentance has to be granted. And the Bible even teaches that baptism is a gift. They're not works of law that we do. 
but they're gifts that are given to us. Receptions of the gospel message. But faith, repentance, and baptism are not the gospel. The gospel is about what Yeshua did for us. And it's so difficult for us humans in our carnal nature, in our fleshly nature, to receive something entirely by grace. We're embarrassed from having to get something without earning it. And when it comes to things outside of the gospel, that's probably a good trait to earn things, to work for things. But when it comes to the gospel, we don't do anything. The Messiah did it all for you. You simply trust by faith in His finished work. And you're part of the family of Yahweh. And you're justified from all things. Acts 13, 38-39, which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. This is the gospel. A heart and a mind that has been shown grace will be willing to receive such a message. People tell me, they hear me teach about grace. I get calls and emails and texts from people that get upset when I teach about the law, and I get calls and emails and texts from people that get upset when I teach about grace. (laughs) But see, I teach both law and grace because the Bible teaches both law and grace. Yeshua teaches both law and grace. So I teach both of them in their proper context. But people worry that if you preach that you're saved by grace, that it will cause people to live in licentiousness. But let me tell you something. Get this hold in your mind and your heart. When a person's heart has been changed and motivated by grace, that will overflow in an outworking of wanting to be more and more obedient out of appreciation for what Yeshua has done for them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If a person just sits upon a pew and says, I don't want to do anything, I don't need to do anything, I've been saved by grace, and I can live any way that I want to, rest assured that person has not been shown grace in the biblical sense of the word. They don't understand grace. Do you know the biggest thing that makes me want to appreciate my mother, my mama, my earthly mama, is when I get to thinking about all that she's done for me. And I'm sitting in the rocking chair out on the porch, and I start thinking about everything that my mama has done for me over the years, even when I was undeserving, even when I said things to her that I should not have said, but yet she still cooked dinner for me. She still made sure that I had a place to sleep. She still told me that she loved me. When I start thinking about everything that my mama has done for me, it stirs up in me an appreciation that makes me want to do for my mama. Are you listening to me? And when you begin to grasp the gospel, when you begin to realize all that Yeshua did for you, beaten, mocked, beard pulled out, crown of thorns on his head, stripped, nude, hung upon a torture stake, a torture device, for you, And when you begin to really genuinely grasp that, the overflow of appreciation is going to come. But that response that you give out of appreciation, that's not the gospel. The gospel is what He did and what He did alone. And when you try to add or mix anything into it, it becomes a perversion. And then you're not just looking to Yeshua, but you're looking to Yeshua plus something maybe that you do. With the influencers here, it was Yeshua plus convert to be one of us through circumcision. And then you'll really be saved. Then you'll really be forgiven. Paul says, no, that's a distortion. 
There is nothing that you can do to stack on top of what Yeshua has already done. Because he did it all perfectly. He was the unblemished lamb. Matthew is the blemished goat that is turned into a lamb because of what Yeshua did for me. There are no flaws in his finished work. You can't add to perfection. We end today with verse 10 where Paul writes this. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of the Almighty? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still striving or trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of the Messiah. Now I believe what Paul is saying here in verse 10 is very important. I want you to catch this. This is a kind of a capstone to this section in this letter. I think Paul is speaking of his former life and his former status as a Pharisee and a persecutor of the believers in Yeshua. Remember, prior to his belief in Yeshua of Nazareth, he was a Pharisee. Strictest sect. Top notch. He had many people in the Yehudim community, in the Judite community, that looked up to him. Look with me a few verses past verse 10 to verse 14. I'm not going to discuss verse 14, but I want you to read verse 14 where Paul says this, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. It's probably a verse that I could teach a whole sermon on by itself. But Paul was advancing in Judaism above many of his fellow countrymen. He held a very high status. He was Pharisee. In Philippians 3, he called himself not just a Hebrew, but a Hebrew of the Hebrews, which means he was of note among the Hebrews. Shaul, the Pharisee, came walking through the community. Everybody looked, stood and said, Ooh, there goes Shaul. There goes a top-notch man. He underwent no persecution. He had no problems. He had a smooth life. But this was all prior to his conversion. But since he came to believe in Yeshua of Nazareth as the Messiah, all of that changed. And instead of being on the side of the persecutor, he became the persecuted. Remember, prior to his conversion, his zeal was that he persecuted the congregations of Yahweh. He persecuted the believers. After his conversion in Acts 9, some of the Judahites in Damascus plotted against him to kill him. But some disciples took him by night and lowered him through an opening in the wall in a basket. Acts 9, 23-25. If you read at the end of Acts 13, a text that we went over in our foundation sermons on Galatians, the Judahites plotted again to get rid of him and they threw him out of the city. And you know what Paul did? It says him and Barnabas went away with joy. And then in Acts 14, do you know that they stoned Paul simply for preaching about the gospel? They stoned him and they drug him out of the city thinking that he was dead. But he wasn't. When they left, the disciples stood beside him. And he got up, he arose, wiped himself off, and he said, okay, i got to go preach the gospel. Then when he got back to the brothers, he told them, he said, how that through many trials and tribulations we must enter the kingdom of Yahweh. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where your faith will really be put to the test. Paul considered it a worthy thing to suffer for preaching the good news about the Messiah. Now, as I was pondering upon this point this morning, I began thinking how Christianity in America 
would look a lot different if being a believer in Yeshua meant that you faced the strong possibility of being a martyr every day when you walked out of your home. Think about it wherever you live. If you knew as a believer in the Messiah that when you walked out of your home, there was a, let's say, 75% chance, let's say 50% chance that you may be put to death for your faith, not because somebody was wanting to rob you, not because somebody was just wanting to get their kicks off of a murder or something like that, but because they hated what you believed. Think about that. I think that would cool out a lot of non-believers. I think that would chip away at people who weren't genuinely a believer in the Messiah. I really do. I really do. Paul was one of these guys that would persecute believers prior to his conversion. You know, Paul thought he was doing Yahweh a service. If you would have asked Paul, do you believe in the mighty one of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob before his Damascus Road experience, he would say, well, absolutely. I pray to him every day. I read the Torah. I read the Tanakh. I follow the traditions. He thought he was doing Yahweh a service when he murdered Stephen in Acts 7. He consented to that murder, that stoning. Well, all that was different now. Faith in his Messiah came with paying a price for his life. And it would be different. It would look a lot different in America if that was the case. Not this pie-in-the-sky teaching that you see on TV that we hear on so-called Christian television today. You know, just the other day, I had to repent over something. Because just the other day, I had a police officer mock the way that I looked because of the way that I was dressed. Now, that's not the first time that that's happened. I was actually asked to leave a courtroom one time because of the way that I was dressed. And it upset me the other day when that police officer did so. I didn't say anything to him. But it upset me to be mocked. But since then, I have repented for getting upset. I should not have gotten upset because I thought about how petty that was to what the early Messianic believers went through. They were thrown in prison for their beliefs, given no food, put in shackles. Paul and Silas, Acts 16. And yet they sang hymns and praise songs to the Father at night. Paul was stoned and dragged out of the city in Acts 14 for dead, left for dead, and he got up. And what did he do? Cry? Throw a pity party? No. He got up, brushed himself off, and says, i got to go preach the gospel to another city. Let's go. i got to continue my, my sermon. i got to continue my message. They were stoned for their beliefs. They were beheaded for their beliefs. Yet Saul of Tarsus became one of them. He had a smooth life before. He was top-notch in the Yehudim community. But he gave all of that up. For what? For a better life? For his best life now? No. He gave all of that up to be persecuted for his faith. Not just somebody talking about him. Not just somebody making fun of the way he was dressed. But imprisoning him. And stoning him. And that's Paul's point in verse 10. That's why he says... For am I now seeking the favor of men or of the Almighty? If he were striving to please men, then why in the world did he give up the position that he used to have? He could have stayed in that Pharisee position and everything would have continued to go smooth. But Paul says, I'm not seeking to please men. And proof of that is look what I'm having to go through for what I believe now. Look at how people are treating me now versus how I was treated when I was a Pharisee when I was in Judaism, and when I excelled above my countrymen, 
I didn't get stoned. I didn't get mocked. I didn't get imprisoned for that. I was friends with a high priest for crying out loud in Acts 9 verses 1 through 2. But I gave all that up. So am I trying to please men? No. No, I'm not trying to please men. Paul is now willing to receive persecution for his belief. He's willing to be ridiculed and hunted and stoned for believing that Yeshua is the Messiah. As he says in verse 10, if I were still trying to please men, that's your clue right there, that word still. If I were still trying to please men, in other words, if I were still like I used to be, I would not be a bondservant of the Messiah. Saints, it is of great importance, it is of chief importance that we keep in mind the error of those in Galatia. Not just the error of the false teachers or the influencers that they were committing, but the error that many of the Galatian Gentiles were believing. They were attempting to add to the work of the Messiah. And Paul said in verse 6 that they were quickly deserting Him who called them by the grace of the Messiah. Leaving. Deserting means leaving Him. Leaving Yahweh that called them by the grace of the Messiah. See, the Galatians were forgiven in the Messiah alone. They were not required to become Yehudim. They were not forgiven based upon changing their ethnic status and proselytizing to be full family Judahites in the eyes of many. That had nothing to do with them being covenant members. They were covenant members because they believed in the Messiah. He was their peace. And He is our peace with the Father. Don't ever forget that. But as we observe the Torah, as we observe the commandments, don't ever think that that's the gospel. Don't ever get that mixed up. Recognize anything that you do is a response because of the new heart and new mind that Yahweh has blessed you with. Don't ever preach that as the gospel. Trying to add to the Messiah is a grave error. And if somebody distorts the gospel and doesn't repent of that, they will be eternally destroyed. So I would admonish all of us to place our focus on the Messiah. Place your focus on the one whom Yahweh sent to save us from our sins. Recognizing that nothing that we may do later on grants us peace with the Almighty. I don't have peace with the Almighty because I later on observe a commandment. That's not what gives me peace with the Almighty. Because even in my life now, I still fall short. I've told so many people that if they consider me to be their pastor, I hope that I can feel the shoes of that office. But don't put your eyes on me. Because if you look at me long enough, you're going to find many flaws in Brother Matthew. Put your eyes on the Messiah. We are already as justified in the Messiah as we will ever be. Believe in this grace. Receive this grace today. Next week, we will definitely get into verse 11. I don't know how far we'll get. I haven't uh, decided yet. But we'll continue in the book of Galatians according to Yahweh's will. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you and I praise you. Father, thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for willing it. Thank you for accomplishing it. Thank you for sending your Son. Yahweh, I pray that the Scriptures in this sermon would do a mighty, mighty thing in the hearts and the minds of Your children today. 
Yahweh Father, I'm afraid that far too often we forget about how important our Messiah is and how much He has done for us and how that He's the one that you sent to save us, not ourselves. And how that the law that you gave us is first and foremost to point us to Him. Help us remember that. Help us, Father Yahweh. Forgive us for thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Forgive us, Father, for at times striving to be justified by something that we're doing rather than what has been done. And may we, Yahweh, as always, may we always appreciate what you've done for us. Let that flow out of our hearts. Let us be obedient children. I pray all these things through your Son.